Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. If you're new to the church or you want to learn more about us, you can always check us out at thechurchrc.com. Or we would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Church RC app. Available for free anywhere you download apps. Now, here's Pastor Brian Sparks. How is everybody doing today? Come on, are you okay? We go from 80 degrees to 38. You got to love Texas weather. At this point, I've lived in Texas all my life, and it still shocks me on a regular basis. Like I'm like, come on, for real, though. We were enjoying outdoor spring weather, having a good time, and then it goes to 38 degrees. And so it's always fun to do that, right? And uh, anyway, so, so glad to have you here. Uh, my name is Brian Sparks. I'm the lead pastor here at the Church RC, and we're honored to have you. you uh, if you've never been here before, we, we hope that uh, we can make you feel at home. Uh, we know that we're not the church for everyone, but we are the church for someone. And, uh, and we hope that someone is you. And uh, there's, we've got a lot going on here. Uh, at the church. We're excited about everything that's going on. We are launching our second campus in Sulphur Springs, Texas. Come on, I'm excited about that. And uh, it's God's doing great things there. We, uh, our, our, our team there is growing. And uh, we had 120 the first, uh, the first day. And so that was awesome. And uh, we, we just believe that God's going to continue to grow that team. And we're going to launch a great church there in Sulphur Springs. All right. And uh, you probably noticed that my lovely wife is not here. Y'all pray for me. Uh, she is gone. Uh, my biggest cheerleader is gone. And so I have a hard time right now. Uh, somebody, somebody's got to sign up to be the cheerleader for today. So uh, it's, um, she is in, actually she's in Paris right now. Uh, she, uh, but their, their end goal is Germany. So they're going to spend a couple of days in Paris, uh, just kind of sightseeing and they're, then they're going to Germany and she's, uh, at a global advance, uh, trip there. And, uh, so she'll be speaking and doing some things, uh, which is awesome. And, uh, in Germany, come on. So, uh, I'm going to be without her for 10 days and, uh, I'm sad. A very sad, sad man. So, uh, come on, all the guys that are dependent on your wife, come on, give me an amen. I love my wife. I'm telling you, I, she's like my favorite, and I love spending time with her, and I miss her when she's gone. And so, m- morning coffee isn't as good without her. And uh, but I'm glad that she's doing what God has called her to do, and she's making an impact. And I believe she's going to leave a uh, she's going to leave a cash deposit in at Paris in Disney. Disney Paris, I guess. And then she's going to leave a spiritual deposit in uh, the people in Germany. So it's going to be great. Uh, we've got uh, a lot going on. We've got missions trips coming up this summer. If you've never been on a missions trip, I highly encourage you to go. We have two options for you, uh, you to go this year. Uh, and there are two different times. So uh, they, they kind of work with different schedules. But uh, one missions trip is going to Haiti where they'll be taking care of orphans and just loving on babies and, and making sure just, you know, it's amazing. You, you can just do so much and make such an impact just by showing the love of Jesus. And, uh, and that's, they're going over there to feed and, and take care of, uh, the orphans there in Haiti. And also, uh, we have a trip coming up to Puerto Rico where we're actually going over to do hurricane relief effort there. And, uh, so we have two trips for you to go. Uh, it's going to be great. Either one 
one is awesome. And uh, so I encourage you, you can follow this, this text missions to 33733 and they'll make sure and get you more information. You got a Bible? I'm ready to get into this. Guardrails. 1 Corinthians 9, 26 through 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 26 through 27. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. If you're taking notes today, you can title this message, Borderlines. Borderlines. Lord, I thank you right now for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that it's every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would... Use me to speak to the lives and the hearts of your people. Let every life be changed in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Last week we kicked off, uh, actually my wife kicked off guardrails. And it was an amazing message. So if you didn't hear that, you can always find that on our, our, our uh, podcast or you can, you can uh, download the app and you can watch it there. But it was an amazing message. But the thing about guardrails is, is you know, we don't really pay much attention to guardrails. Right? I mean, you don't really notice guardrails until you see the sign that says guardrail damage ahead. Why do they put those signs up? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what, how does this affect my life? Guardrail damage ahead, but they put them out. I, they, they, and that's when you really notice them. And, and sometimes you notice them when they've been hit, come on, or, or there's tire marks up on the side. I don't know how these people do that. Like, how are you not paying attention and you hit a concrete barrier? Uh, but, but they do, and they're there for a reason. What they are there for is they're to keep vehicles from going into dangerous or off-limits areas, right? That's what they're there for. They're, they're there on purpose. They were placed there because somebody said, you know what, we need a guardrail here to keep vehicles from straying into off-limits or dangerous areas. And the truth is, is they're not just there for you, but they're, they're, uh, to protect, uh, they're also there to protect people from you. Because you can stray into some dangerous and hurt somebody else. And, and, and so their guardrails are important. And they're honestly the unsung heroes of the road. They save countless lives. They do a lot of good. And the damage that would be caused if they were to not be there or, or because they're there is very minimum. But if they weren't there, it could be catastrophic. Guardrails are important parts of our lives and, and, and on the road. And just like they're important parts of our lives and on the road, they're important part of our personal life. We need to set up some guardrails in our lives to protect us and to keep us safe. We need to set up some guardrails and say, you know what, this is just because I can do something doesn't mean that I should do something. Right? Just because I think that it seems like a good idea at the time doesn't mean that it's actually a good idea. And we need to set up some guardrails in our lives to protect us and to keep us safe. To, to keep us from straying into off-limits or dangerous areas. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up in Graham, Texas. And uh, I loved uh, my area. I grew up on Avenue D. So if you're ever through Graham, you can look up Avenue D and, 
and uh, you can you could drive in my old neighborhood. And um, whenever I uh, was young, my dad laid out an area that I could play in. Now then, I don't know. A lot's changed, right? Because now if I don't see my kids in an hour, I'm a little bit worried about them. But my dad, I could leave first thing in the morning and he would come out and whistle for me at night when the, the street lights come on. And as soon as the street lights come on, I knew it was time to go home. But I would just eat at neighbor's houses. I don't know. I mean, it was just no big deal. My parents didn't care about me. I, I think that they were... <laughs> Anybody else's parents didn't care about them, I guess? Because I, I, I look back at my dad, I'm like, what were you thinking? Like... You're a horrible parent. Because <laughs> I worry about my kids, right? I'm like, I want them to be safe. And I want them, you check in every hour. Like, I want to make sure you're okay. My dad's like, just check in every 24 hours or so. And if you're okay, cool. His first thing would, uh, he would say to me, I, I've, I've said this before, but whenever I'd get hurt, if I came in screaming, he would say, don't bleed on my carpet. Uh, <laughs> thanks, dad. Really feel the love. Uh, but, but, you know, he, he, uh, he went through this area and we, we were living in this house. And when I was young, he laid out some borderlines and he said this, he, he, we had a, a six block radius and I could do anything in that six blocks. It was my, uh, it was my kingdom. Like I could do anything. I had friends in there. I could play, I could have fun. I could ride bikes. I could do all kinds of things within that six block radius. But then he said this outside of this, you do not cross. You can stay within this and you have complete and total freedom. You can have a great time. I'm not here to restrain you. I'm not here to keep you back. But you cannot go outside of the border that I have set up for you. The reason why he had set up these borders is because we were surrounded by major highways on every side. And so he had put some borders in place and said, you cannot cross these highways. You can't go over these highways. And of course, six blocks can feel claustrophobic. I need my freedom, Dad. Come on. I need to spread my wings and explore the world. And six blocks isn't getting it done. Right? So I decided one day, because I had a friend who was equally as evil as me, I decided, you know what? We're going to go across the highway. And we crossed the highway successfully. And this has been the whole... um, Everything in my life has been this way, right? I mean, I I never can get away with anything. So I am made it to the other side. I am playing in a bar ditch. We are having a good time trying to catch crawfish, crawdads. Come on. Great bar ditch, catching crawdads. That's what we're doing. And, And I'm having a good time, and I'm not there for a few minutes, and my grandmother passes by on her way from lunch back to work, she passes by and sees me. And she, at first she said this later, she said, I looked over and I saw, thought those kids shouldn't be over there. That's dangerous. And then she said, and then you poked your head up. And I realized that my grandson was in an area that he wasn't supposed to be, that I had actually breached the border, that I was over where I was supposed to be. And so what she did was turn around And I told her, Nana, I'm going home. Nana, I'll go home. Nana, Nana, just, it's fine. I'll just go home. And she's like, no. So she put me in her car and took me to my house. I do not remember the abuse that took place. All I know is that I never crossed the line again. 
I never went over the line again. I decided. And here's the thing is at that point in my life, when I was young, I had this thought that my dad had set up some borders for me to keep me from having fun. But the truth is it was to keep me from getting hurt. And if you read the Bible very much at all, you will see that God sets up some serious borders. He sets up some serious guardrails and he says, listen, you can play inside the lines, but don't get outside because it's dangerous over there. And we look at this and we think, you know what, God, you're just trying to keep me from having fun. You're just trying to keep me from experiencing life. You're just trying to keep me from uh, enjoying everything. And I'm just supposed to live in this bubble and not ever do anything. But the truth is, is God is not trying to keep you from having fun. He's trying to keep you from getting hurt. Because he knows on the other side is danger. He knows on the other side it's off limits because it can hurt you. It can cause major damage if you get on the other side. So he says this, I'm going to set up some guardrails for you and your life because I, if you'll read the Bible, I'm telling you, you don't go beyond this because maybe you won't get hurt the first time. Maybe you won't get hurt the second time. Maybe you won't get hurt the third time. But eventually you cross that barrier enough times and eventually it's going to cause some serious damage. It's going to cause emotional damage. But here's the thing is, in our culture, in our society, we don't like guardrails. The reason why we don't like guardrails is because really, if we're real honest, we don't like being told no. Honestly, if you tell me no, I kind of want to do it just to say, you can't tell me what to do. Right? I'm a little bit defiant because, you know what, I'm my own man. I'm the boss of me. You can't tell me what to do. Jimmy, you can't tell me no. I'll do what I want. I'm a grown dang man. We don't like guardrails. We don't like it when you say, listen, don't go beyond this point. Culture is completely fine with painted lines. Completely fine with it. Because painted lines are fluid. They're not final. Guardrails are final. Painted lines, if you cross, a, you cross a painted line, no biggie. Right? But when you cross it, when you get into a guardrail, you don't know you got into a guardrail. We're so fine with just going, you know what? Just, just, we're just going to paint some lines, just kind of give you some suggestions. Right? I'm just going to give, we, we, uh, culture will tell you this. You know what you need to do? You need to consolidate your debts. That's a painted line. Consolidate your debts. Don't. Don't worry about getting in debt, but just consolidate it once you get in debt, right? I mean, you just, need to, you just need to bring it all into one big pile. Don't worry about it. Come on, we tell people this. You know what? Just listen to your heart. That is the worst advice ever. If you listen to your heart, nine out of ten times, you ain't going to work. And try calling your boss and saying, why, why aren't you here today? I listen to my heart. And it just doesn't feel right. Okay, we'll tell your heart that you need to find another job, right? Because, and that's what we do is we just paint, just listen to your heart. No, you need to listen to your brain. Sometimes you need to think and you know, okay, you know what? This is the best decision for me. Come on. We tell kids, young, young teenagers, when it comes to sex, we just say, you know what? Whenever you're ready. 
that might be okay advice for a girl. I'm not saying it is, but it may be. But when it comes to a teenage boy, and you say, just wait till you're ready, he's going to say, I was born ready. I was born ready. I was born for this moment. But it's a painted line. We don't want to say, wait till you're married. Do it the way God tells you to do it. We don't want to do that because it's a guardrail and, and we don't like guardrails. We just want to paint some lines of suge- suggestions and say, you know what, just kind of stay in this little area. But the truth is, is God set up a guardrail because he knows that on the other side of it's danger. On the other side of it's hurt. On the other side of it's pain. Every day we're faced with choices that we must make. We're faced with these choices and we have to decide, are we going to live our lives with guardrails or are we going to go outside of it? You can choose to live your life by painted lines, but you run the risk of getting into some very dangerous areas. You can choose to live within your means today or you can deal with the pain of a mountain of debt tomorrow. Set up some borders and, hey, I'm just going to live within this amount of money. I'm going to actually live with what I can afford. Or I can rack up a ton of debt. And I can get outside the lines and it's going to be painful. Because then you've got to deal with debt tomorrow. You know, you can, you, can, you can decide, young people, I'm going to obey my parents today. Or you can deal with being grounded tomorrow. You get to choose Right? You get to make this choice. You can, you can, you can choose to say, I'm going to do this, even though I don't want to, even though I don't like being told no, even though I don't really like the guardrail. You know what? I don't like getting into guardrail. I don't want to get on the other side because on the other side, it's dangerous. You can choose to study for the exam today, or you can take the pain of doing the whole class again next semester. <laughs> See, we have these choices that we have to say, you know what, I, I, I know that the best thing for me to do, even though it's not what I want to do, the best thing for me to do is to live and operate inside of these guidelines. When you're unsure what to do, you should ask yourself, what is wisdom, not what is my heart? What is wisdom? I love it. Uh, Andy, Stanley says, says it. Andy Stanley says it this way. He says, in light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do right now? In light of my past experience, what I've lived through, in my current situation, and then also I'm going to bounce this off of what I want in the future. The best thing for me in the future. Like, what is the best and the wisest thing for me to do right now? When you ask yourself this question and you kind of bounce it off of wisdom and say, what is the best thing for me to do based off of all these three? What we usually end up doing is living our lives in self-control. We live a life of self-control. And we don't like living lives of self-control, but it's the wise thing to do, right? It's what we should do. Self-control is choosing what you want most over what you want now. It's looking at what I want most and saying, you know what, I'm going to decide to deny what I want now because there's something that I want more than what I want right now. 
you will end up saying this, I'm choosing self-control now so that I don't have to live with regret tomorrow. How many of you lived with regret? Come on. I shouldn't have done that. I really wish I wouldn't have done that. We wake up with these regrets, and if we would have just lived a life and said, you know what, I'm going to live my life full of self-control. This is way easier said than done. Way easier for me to stand up here and preach this than it is for me to do it. Right? It's not easy because if we're all honest in this room, we all struggle with some area that we lack self-control. Right? We all struggle with something where we lack self-control. We, we go, you know what? I, I, I know what I should do, but I also know what I want to do right now. I'll give you, for instance, I know this, that I started the year needing to lose 20 pounds. I'm happy to report that I only have 40 to go. Anybody else relate? Come on. Why? It's because it's a self-control thing. I know what I should do, but I do the wrong thing anyway. Right? I was, I, I was done with our, um, we, we got done with our launch team meeting the other night in, uh, in Sulphur Springs, Texas, and I, I knew what I should do was have a salad. <laughs> but the Whataburger sign was calling my name. And a double meat cheeseburger ended up going into my mouth and into my belly. And what I wanted in that moment was a cheeseburger. But what I really want in the future is six-pack abs. But sometimes I choose what I want now, and I forget what I want most. And if I will just keep focused on what I want most instead of what I want now, then I will live a life of self-control, and I will contain myself. And I'll say, you know what? This isn't the right decision for me. I know that it's what I want, but it doesn't mean that it's good for me to do it now. It's choosing. It's making a choice to live your life and say, you know what? This isn't the best thing. What I, went, what I got was a cheeseburger. But then the next morning, I woke up with a greasy regret. It's still good, though. If anybody wants to go to Whataburger afterwards, I'm good. After I preach, I, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> anybody else relate, right? Every one of us struggle with this. And here's the great news is that when you read the Bible, you will see really quickly that people in the Bible struggle with this too. We read the Bible like, oh my gosh, these people are so amazing. They're incredible. They have no issues. They have no things. They have nothing wrong with them. They, they're, they're perfect in every way. And the truth is, is they are not. They struggle. When you look at the life of David, who God says he was a man after my own heart, guess what David did? He messed around with a married woman. He struggled in an area of self-control. He, he had this issue, and here's the thing is maybe your issue and my issue are different, but we all have to say, you know what? I need to live a life of discipline and of self-control if I want to stay in the guidelines that God has placed for me. And I know this is an extremely popular message because everybody loves to be disciplined. 
Paul struggled with this too. A guy who wrote nearly two-thirds of the New Testament, he struggled with this. This should make you so happy because you look at your life and you think, and I, I, I've been saying this all year long, is you're doing better than you think you are. We look at our mistakes and we look at our faults and we look at our failures and that's all we focus on. But the truth is, is that you are here today. You are moving forward. You are better than when you got here two years ago. You are doing better. Every day, God is changing you a little bit at a time. Apostle Paul. In a moment, he shows us what's going on with him. In Romans 7, 15, it says this. Paul says this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Come on. Then he goes on in in, in Romans 7, 18 and 19. He says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good. But I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. I love Paul. Because here's the thing, people go, well, how do you know that somebody, uh, you know, that that God inspired the Bible? Can I tell you this? A a real person ain't going to say, hey, I'm a mess up. Come on, we're going to paint ourselves in the best light possible. But Paul is saying this, I have, a tru- I have trouble with self-control. I have an issue with it. And we don't know what the issue was because the truth is, is it doesn't really matter. All he's saying is, is that I mess up. I make mistakes. I fail regular. I shank it consistently. I'm not perfect. I've messed up. And, and here he is in this moment saying, you know what? The things that I know that I'm not supposed to do, I keep on doing. And I look at this, and and, and if you stop right there, you would ask me this. Well, Brian, if the Apostle Paul can't get it right, what chance do I have? If he can't even get it right, if he can't even, if he can't even get himself in line, what chance do I have? And I'm glad you asked, because here he goes on in verse 24 and 25. It says this. He's going to continue. What a wretched man I am. Come on. Have you ever been there? The moment you eat the dirty cheeseburger, what a wretched man I am. Huh? The moment you shop and you buy something that you shouldn't have bought, what a wretched woman I am. Anybody else ever been there? Is anybody in this church going to get real for a moment and say, you know what? Sometimes when I do it, here's what's amazing is the enemy is so good at tempting you to do what you know you shouldn't do. And then he's right there to say, you are awful. You are wretched. You are horrible. Who, how dare you even call yourself a Christian? How dare you lift your hands in worship? How dare you sing? Do you know what you did last night? What a wretched person you are. Come on. Come on. Good. The things you know you're not supposed to do, you're doing. What a wretched person. What an awful human being. Paul goes on, he says, I need a rescuer. I need someone to save me. I need a hero. Come on. 
That's what he, he broke into it right there. Just feel like it. No? <laughs> Y'all with me? <laughs> That's what I, this is the way I read the Bible, right? I need a rescuer. I need someone to save me. I need someone to help me. And he says this, he goes, thanks be to God who has delivered me through Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior and my Rescuer and my Redeemer and my Salvation and my Healer. And he's saying this, you know what? I can't do it on my own, but in Jesus Christ, I can do all things. In Jesus Christ, I know this, that I might mess up and that I might fall short, but I pick myself up and I dust myself off and I say, you know what, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. I'm going to keep moving forward. I can't get it right. See, today's message, if you let it, you will hear this. You need to, de- you need to develop more willpower. If you let it, you're going to hear this. You know what? You need to leave here and you need to get better. You need, you, need, you need to go out and you need to try harder. And that's not what this is about. This message today isn't about you getting more willpower. It's about getting you to realize how much power you already have. It's about getting you to realize that in Jesus Christ, you have all the power you need. And here's the thing, is that Jesus in you is way stronger than the, uh, the wrong desire in you. And if you will just lean on him and say, God, I need you today. I don't want to do this. I'm tired of making this mistake. I'm tired of not living my life in guardrails. I need your help. He is faithful to help. Live in the guidelines that God has set up for us. Two questions, and I'm done. i got to hurry. That was just the opener. My wife's not here to tell me to shut up, so. Preach on, brother. (laughs) She does things like. Two questions. This won't take long, I promise. Two questions. Number one, what do you want most? What do you want most? Don't tell me, I want to win the lottery. (laughs) Come on. What do you really want most? 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. What do you want most? Athletes are disciplined for an earthly prize. I saw this firsthand. I was watching Jimmy Fallon one night. And uh, Ronda Rousey, I think that's how you say her name. She's a UFC fighter. And she was on. And uh, Jimmy Fallon decided, you know what? I, am gonna, I, I want to do something nice for you. And he had heard that she loved a particular restaurant in Chicago. It was her favorite and found out her favorite meal. And when you have unlimited amount of money, he decided, I'm going to have this meal flown in just for her so she can enjoy a taste or a couple of tastes of what she loves most. And so he had this meal flown in and he's talking to her and he goes, hey, I know this is your favorite. And she's like, yeah, it's my favorite restaurant. I love that place. I heard this is your favorite meal. Yeah, I love that meal. It's my favorite meal. I, I, it's like, I, I love it. I, I just can't wait. And, and he goes, I got a surprise for you. He pulls it out and he slides it across the table. 
And she looks at it and looks at him and she said, thank you, but I'm training. And she said, are you trying to sabotage me? Because I have a fight coming up. What she said in that moment is, I know what I want most. And what I want most is to win the fight that's coming up. I'm not going to settle for what I want now because I know already what I want most. And in that moment, she was able to refuse it. And here's the thing, that if you don't know what you want most, you will always settle for what you want now. Some of you aren't achieving what you want because you don't even know what you want. You don't even have it in your sights. You don't even have the target painted. And you need to say, you know, what do I want most? If I don't know what I want most, I'll settle for what I want right now. Maybe you want to be closer to God. Maybe you want a closer relationship with God. Maybe you want a healthier, happier marriage. Maybe you want to lose some weight. Not so that you can look good in the bikini because you're healthy. You know you need to do it for your health. Maybe you want to get out of debt. You want to get rid of those credit cards. What do you want most? What do you want most? That's a question that only you can answer. And here's the thing is when you decide this is what I want most. This is what I desire more than anything. This is what I really want. Then guess what? Now it's time to put some guardrails in place. To put some borders in place and say, you know what? This is the area that I'm going to stay within because I know what I want most. Focused on the prize that lies ahead. When you identify that, you'll stop settling for what you want now. The second question I want to ask you is, what do you need to do? Or I'm sorry, what do you need to choose now to achieve what you want most? What do you need to choose now to achieve what you want most? I've identified what I want most, but now what do I need to choose? Now I'm setting up some guardrails. If you said, I want to be closer to God, guess what? You need to make your relationship with God a priority. You need to make some time. You need to block out some time in the morning to read your Bible. It doesn't have to be a ton, but it needs to be a little. You need to block out some time to spend time in prayer, not just on Sundays, but actually pray during the week. Church no longer becomes an option. It becomes a priority because every day I want to grow and I want to worship with, I want to worship with my church, the God that I want to be closer to something powerful about it. No longer becomes an option. It becomes a priority. If you want to lose weight, find somebody to hold you accountable Get a program or something you can work with. Get a plan in place. I'm preaching to myself here. Get a plan in place. Because I live in extremes. I'm either eating crackers, <laughs> denying all food, or I'm eating double meat cheeseburgers and chicken fried steak. Come on. Find somebody. And I'll tell you this. If, when it comes to weight... Your spouse is not your accountability partner. Amen. Don't ask your husband to do that, girls. 
I want you to tell me if I'm eating something that I shouldn't. Don't eat that. You remember you're trying to lose weight. Slap. You saying I'm fat? No, I'm saying, I'm telling you what you told me to tell. Find somebody. Identify it. I want it most. If you want to get out of debt, get in a financial peace. A Dave Ramsey, we do this on a regular basis and stick to the plan. Don't jump into it, spend the money and say, you know what, I'm out. No, you got to jump in it and you got to get a plan in place and say, you know what, I want to get out of it. I've identified what I want most. I'm going to keep working towards it. If you want a happier marriage, invest in your marriage. Make date nights a priority. Say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time with my spouse. I want a happier marriage. First Corinthians 9 26 he says so I'll run with purpose in every step he's saying this I've got guidelines I've got guardrails I know what I want most and with every step I move towards it with purpose I'm moving towards it some of your greatest regrets in life could have been avoided if you had had some guardrails in place your greatest regrets financial regrets relational regrets professional regrets all of these could have been avoided if we would have just had some guardrails in place to keep us from straying into dangerous areas but here's the great news is that we can avoid future regrets by setting up some guardrails here and now just saying you know what I know what I want most and I'm tired of settling for what I want now I move with purpose in every step towards the call that God has called me to setting in some guardrails amen At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you would like to contribute financially, you can go to thechurchrc.com slash giving. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at thechurchrc.com. Thanks and have a great week.